Hey everyone, welcome back to the Real Talk with Ben podcast. Only, I know it looks like another podcast that I do. I, it kind of is because we're still filming this on the same day. We're going to film the other podcast, but I'm here with my guest this week. Uh, as you know, every time I've been doing the Real Talk with Ben podcast since the new year, I've had someone come on and we've just had a conversation about what God is doing, how God is using them uh, and where they are. And I thought, you know what, let's have my good friend and co-host of the Baseline podcast, Josh Burris, come on here. A guy that I go back a long ways with. It feels like known him for quite a long time. It's like a, like, it's like a fifth of my is it fifth of my life or something like that? Some something like that. Some something crazy like that. Because so I'm I'm 25. I've no, I've known you for like five six years. About a quarter. Yeah. Then. About, a quarter. Yeah. About a quarter. So kind of crazy. Um, but I love this guy. He's a great guy. And uh, Josh, thank you on Easter, by the way. Thank you for uh, happy Easter and uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, happy Easter, to you Ben. Glad uh, glad to be a guest. And it's funny because uh, literally right after we do this, we're doing the other podcast. So if we look like we're wearing the same thing, it's because we are. Um, but uh, no, Josh is here. And I've known Josh, obviously, from our time at Cedarville. Uh, we did a radio show and I'll get into that in a little bit later. But Josh, I want you to kind of I know you're you're a Midwest guy. And um, just share your kind of your testimony, you know, what was it like growing up with your family? What was it uh, like going to church? How did that all kind of come together in, in your life um, as you grew up? Yeah, no, I mean, nothing uh, super spectacular, fancy. Uh, it was uh, my parents were both Christians, so we grew up in a Christian home, me and my three brothers. Um, my mom homeschooled all of us, so we were at home a lot, and that was uh, more opportunity to, uh, I guess, get uh, schoolwork from, uh, like, companies uh, that make curriculum that had like a, I guess, a Christian perspective. So there is, I guess, extra uh, Bible teaching in there, if you will, uh, getting, I guess, uh, science from a creation standpoint, history from a creation or from a Christian standpoint, those kind of things. Uh, grew up going to a church Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, sometimes Sunday nights. So, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a, any kind of like wild, I guess, uh, bad to good uh, transition, but uh, yeah. I mean, I, I accepted Christ as my savior when I was five, um, but I really would say I didn't really make my faith my own until I was uh, 18, senior in high school, recently graduated, uh, did a retreat with our youth group, and uh, it was just kind of like a moment of realization for me, like, hey, this is it. Like, yeah. if I'm going to continue, uh, I guess, in this walk with God, it's going to be because I want it to be, because my parents aren't going to be there anymore to, uh, I guess, force me to do things. So it's like, do I truly believe this? And if I do, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. So that was really when I would say I started uh, owning my faith more, taking a responsibility uh, for my walk with God, uh, spending time in devotions, prayer, things like that. Yeah, it's it's fascinating because I think we have a similar story, right? I got saved around the age of, you know, six, right? And grew up in the same way. Parents, you know, I wasn't homeschooled. I was in public school. So that's like a totally, you know, a 180 take on it. But what would you say, you know, you mentioned you know, growing up, uh, going to church, you know, I think we hear this a lot, right. Of people that we went to college with even that, you know, they went to church on, on, uh, you know, Sunday morning, then Wednesday night, I know like I went to Awana, all that. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. then you go out and then there's usually like another night of the week or whatever. Right. Do you think that, did it ever get that you felt like it was just something that you did because that was the routine or do you feel like it was something that at, at a point you decided, you know, like I actually do, 
Like I want to go. I don't just go because parents told me. Cause that was something that I battled with going all the way up through was like, okay, this is just a routine. I need to do this every Wednesday. What, what are your thoughts on that? And how did that impact you in that sense? Yeah. I mean, I guess since it was, uh, I mean, there was never really a period in my life where my family wasn't going to church. So I guess yeah. from that standpoint, you could say it was routine, but also it was a, I mean, a chance for me to be able to get out and uh, get some social interaction too, you know, being a homeschool kid. I mean, we hung out with kids <laughs> in, our, in our town, in the neighborhood, uh, through sports and things like that. But church, yeah. I mean, the youth group and like, I guess Sunday school was another opportunity to uh, meet other kids my age and uh, make some friends that way. So uh, I guess there were other things I looked forward to as well. But even now, uh, now that I'm on my own living in Indiana, away from home now, uh, church has been a big part of my life uh, for, I guess, more reasons than just routine. Like I feel um, a real community at mine. Um, I got a really good friend group of people around my age that uh, challenge me and uh, my walk with God to uh, be be better in uh, the way that I do things. Uh, I also feel uh, some... Uh, I guess I get a chance to serve on worship team too. So that's an, I guess, an opportunity to uh, not only worship, but also, I guess, serve the community as well. And then uh, also just, I feel like even when I am not the most consistent in my devotions or uh, I guess my Bible reading church is always that, um, mm. I guess that place where you can get back on track because you're getting the message, uh, delivered to you from, from the pastor, you guys are going through, uh, I mean, every church is a little bit different, but we're going, you go through different series every now and then through maybe different books of the Bible or different topics. And that's just kind of like, uh, I guess a way to, uh, get back on track that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, I think, when you grow up that way, right? I think you could probably test this. Like you go to Awana, right? And you hear all these verses and they memorize them and all these things. And it's like, it wasn't until I got to college that I really felt like, oh yeah, like I got to, it's kind of like a thing on me now, right? And I still struggle with yeah. it. And there's still not like a every day thing. I think there's days where I really do struggle and I know I need to be better, right? But what would you say, you know, we're both, obviously we have a sports podcast, the baseline, sorry, self plug there. Um, we have the baseline that we, we talk sports. We love sports. We had an old sports talk show at Cedarville, but before we get into all that stuff at Cedarville, I want you to talk about what was sports like growing up? How did they impact you? What are some of the lessons you learned from sports growing up that you kind of now take away and you use those as either motivation or you use those as like memories of like, this really helps me understand certain things. Um, and, and so on. Yeah, uh, sports. I mean, that was pretty much a part of my life as early as I can remember, I guess. My dad played uh, sports growing up. My mom played as well. As she also spent a little bit of time before I was born uh, coaching softball. So I guess you could say I came from, I don't want to say an athletic family, but I mean, a family that, you know, sports was a part of their life and they kind of passed that down to us, me and all my brothers. Uh, played baseball growing up that was like our main one and then yeah. uh, we also had a basketball hoop in the yard we would play flag football uh touch football in the in the backyard with uh other kids around the neighborhood things like that so sports were always i guess a part of life and then i guess i did track one year in high school too but i just didn't enjoy it I, i'll tell you why i thought i could be good in track because when i was a kid and like all the youth leagues i was like one of the fastest if not the fastest kid <laughs> out there all the time so after not i guess 
competing or like in any kind of like sport where like speed was all that important, I thought yeah. that I could just transition from playing baseball uh, after eighth grade to the track after that, just because, uh, and I'll explain this too, because not everybody has the same laws in each state, but homeschool kids uh, now in Ohio can participate in sports through the yep. public schools. Um through their, I guess their district, like yep. they can't like, transfer to like an outside one or anything like that. But it didn't used to be that way. It used to be like you had to do half days. So after eighth grade, like for, I guess, uh, baseball leagues, I mean, once you had to start playing through the high school, I was done. But then my junior yeah. year, they ended up flipping that. But also I was taking classes at a community college through uh, our public school. So I was eligible either way. And I wanted to give track a shot. Now, I had been out of baseball for two years, so I didn't think that I could get the swing back. But I figured that speed is going to translate. And I mean, I wasn't bad. I ran hundreds in like 12.5, which isn't bad. But we had kids that were running sub 12, like in the 11.6, 11.7 range. And I was just like, I am not the fastest kid anymore. It's kind of like when you see one kid uh, on a basketball court that knows how to dribble yeah. and everybody else doesn't know how to. So he's naturally better than everybody else. But eventually everybody learns how to dribble. And that kid's nothing special afterwards. So. Yep. So it was just kind of like, well, now everybody's growing in their bodies. They're running. They're faster than me. Um, they're playing football. So, I mean, they're, they're all, so you're seeing that football speed translate to the track. And I just, I wasn't much anything special, Ben. So with coupled with the fact that my speed was now average and I also was dealing with shin splints all the time, I just decided that one year of track was done for me. And that was, uh, I guess, my athletic career, the end of it right there. Um, so that was kind of like, I guess, my experience playing. I always enjoyed it. Uh, always enjoyed watching it still enjoy watching it to this day being a sports journalist i mean that's literally my job is getting paid to watch sports and tell people what i saw um and then as far as lessons go from playing i guess lessons that are applicable to life now are just i mean life ain't fair how many yeah. times have we had a coach uh play a kid uh a kid of a friend of his or you oh, know it's awful it's the worst parents be the worst in new sports i got a younger brother that's dealing with that right now at the high school level he's having kids uh play positions ahead of him batting higher in the order than him just because my parents don't you know don't have that tight of a relationship with the head coach as some of the others so I mean there's I guess there's things like that like life ain't fair um you're gonna get passed up for certain things um life isn't always gonna I guess give you what you feel like you deserve so that's number yeah. one but number two is also like if you want something you gotta go out there and work for it so yeah. we'll just take an example I guess a few I mean, if you wanted to be starting on the baseball team, you got to put in the work to be able to, I guess, have the right to start. Like if you don't have any kind of skill whatsoever. Unless and, you go to a public school that just chooses you because you're a, you know, a friend of the the coach or whatever, you know, that, that happens quite a bit too, at least in my area. It does. Yeah. Out in Indiana, at least this, the schools that I cover right now, I don't really see too much of that for the most part. I think like it's the small schools though. I don't think it's the big schools. I really think it's like the small community schools. Well, you got to think about the one. big schools are as successful as they are because, I mean, they're playing the kids that are actually good, and so they're winning. Mm -hmm. Like, they got all these kids to choose from. They're not good. They can't afford to, like, let another yeah. kid uh, that shouldn't be playing play because, I mean, they're playing higher competition, too. So, anyways, going back to your point, I just wanted to – Yeah, I don't know, plug that kind in. of on the flip side, like, I mean, you could, I guess uh, – 
be passed up just because not necessarily because someone is better than you, but just because uh, life doesn't always uh, give us what we deserve. But we can also kind of do something about that sometimes. And the fact that uh, if you want something, go out and get it. Like if you maybe you want to be better at baseball, maybe you want to letter eventually, or maybe you want to start like put in extra work, put in the practice. Cause mm-hmm. if you don't do anything, nothing's going to change. So make it absolutely mm-hmm. obvious that uh, the decision the coach is making is terrible and go out and earn your spot. So, I mean, if you want something, go and get it. You, you, you get out yeah. what you put in, I guess. Like if you're objectively, if you're going to get better, you have to put in the work. How about that? Maybe it won't translate to you starting like you should be if life was fair, but if you want to get better, you have to put the work in and that kind of like translates all over life. And then the third one I would say is like working as a team, because Mm, how many times do you hear adults or even our parents or friends talk about how much their job sucks, like their coworkers are the worst, their bosses, um, terrible, and they don't feel like they can function over there. Or maybe even like in school, working on group projects, like you, you, you're always going to be working with people. There's rare situations where you're, you get, I guess you get to just work by yourself for yourself and literally everything falls on you. Like there's almost always some scenarios, even in the church setting. Like, I mean, the church, the body of Christ, it's a community. We're working together to, I guess, um, lead people to Christ and uh, disciple each other. Like we're going to be around people. So being able to work as a team and get along with people, I guess, is another thing that uh, has translated from sports to real life for me as well. Yeah. And I think all those, you know, in the sense, like, I think we all go through those, whether you played sports or not. I think all those, we've learned that in some case, right? Like life is not fair. I think if any of us had a job in high school, we know that life is not fair when you're stocking shelves for, you know, six hours after school. And you're like, this is just like, for what, you know, 10 bucks an hour. Like, you don't, you just don't feel like you're making it. Right. But it is cool to see how like you have used, how God has used you, obviously, you obviously feel like I think sometimes I don't know I've heard this from Aaron uh, a couple weeks ago he said sometimes you feel like you have a boring testimony and I think sometimes we as you know me and you that grew up with a family that loved God and everything but I love what he said was and he said but our testimony is not it's not different than any other person's testimony it's just our testimony it's what god has done in our life and i think i mean i'm thankful that i didn't have to go through like any kind of wild i guess uh life situation where like you have like several deaths in the family or you have to uh recover from being a drug addict or anything like that like i'm grateful that i never had to go through any of that so it's not like something that i envy or wish i had it's just kind of like you know it's not going to be anything that wows you necessarily but it is my testimony like like you were just saying and aaron said yeah, and it's 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 awesome. It's awesome to see. But as we know, your journey continued and you obviously ended up at Cedarville. But before we talk about Cedar specifically, how did you end up at Cedarville? How did that kind of come in to the fold? Um, and then uh kind of what what is something that was a tough transition from going from high school to your freshman year at Cedarville? So I wanted to go to I, Cedarville. That was like my number one school option just because it was Same. in Ohio. <laughs> it was a Christian college. I knew friends from a church that had gone there and enjoyed it. So that was uh, the first place that I visited, one of the first places I applied to. Uh, took a visit. Everything was great. It was just kind of like a little bit out of my price range. So I was looking at Bowling Green. That was actually where I was going to be. I had a roommate all picked out and everything. Um, 
and then I also did some some classes at community college. Like I said earlier, it was uh, through Bowling Green. Actually, they had mm -hmm. a they had a community college branch not too far away from where I live. So I was just going to have all those, I guess, uh, transfer over there, and then I, and I was just going to continue, I guess, through Bowling Green. But then, not too long after I did that, uh, that one of the admissions counselors at Cedarville ended up reaching out to me again told me that he found some extra scholarship money he knew about the situation about me going to Bowling Green why I was choosing that and the extra scholarships that he found were going to make the prices the same so Ooh. it was just kind of like all right well God's working it, right like that was what we we took it as well like God wants me at Cedarville because that was the limiting factor was like money and now that it costs the same decided to uh back out of Bowling Green and go over to Cedarville so went over there uh and and most of those classes that well actually not most of them all the classes that I took community college did transfer into Cedarville they may not have necessarily uh been something that was uh going to contribute to my major being journalism a lot of them were graphic design classes and some of them may have transferred in I guess into that major as like an elective course but I was I still needed to do three years to graduate not like the two and a half or whatever it was so three years to graduate serial and then I got out of there so um toughest transition was probably just learning how to um I don't want to say live on my own but as you're being a student and you're putting in all the work that I guess study and try to make new friends at school and yeah. pass all your tests, it's like you still got to worry about uh, keeping your dorm room clean and doing laundry and like all that kind of stuff. So just, I guess, learning how to manage my time better since uh, I didn't have uh, my mom doing Dim all around. Yeah. So I, I would say that was maybe one of the harder transitions. I didn't really deal with like any kind of homesickness or struggling to find community to Cedarville. All yeah. that stuff was, it came pretty easily, but it was just, I guess, initially, especially that first semester too. Like I was only taking 14 credit hours, Ben, which was, I mean, it's not that much if you ever, no. ever gone to college and I, for those no. first month or two, it was just kind of like hitting me hard. Like, man, how do I get through this? Like I'm going to be taking semesters where I have 16, 17 credit hours. I got to figure this out. Yeah. So, I mean, that was something that I learned that semester. And then, I mean, it just, it translated from there. Yeah. And it's, it is funny. Like I, I think back of my freshman year, right. And like, I lived like I'm from West Liberty and you knew that. And it's like, you know, 40 minutes from, from the university, right? Like I was more like hoping my parents wouldn't come down. Like that was me, right? Like I wasn't in the point of like, oh, I'm homesick. I'm like, thank goodness, right? But then my parents would show up every other weekend and it's like, okay, I love you guys, you know? Um, no, I'm joking. They didn't show up that often, but sometimes it felt like it, right? But uh, so we talked about Cedarville. What were some of the things um, uh, that we that you were involved in at Cedarville? Obviously you were a journalism major, so... Um, you know, you got the back when the cool lab was like right by the chapel and everyone could like Jay creepily, creepily, yeah. creepily watch you as you're working, which is like really weird. I always felt like like just to see people yeah, staring at you. That, but that door, that were, those windows were open. Yeah. So um, being in the in the journalism program, most of the journalism majors end up uh, writing for, I guess, the student run newspaper Cedars. So I did. I'm in a story you wrote. Yeah, I did a story on Ben, actually, and student assistance in general, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, 
so I, I broke into Cedars first uh, doing some video work for them because I thought like TV was kind of the route that I wanted to go initially. And then I was going to, I guess, get to TV through writing, but I was learning video, how to use a Premiere Pro and all those kinds of things. So I was doing video and trying to help grow, I guess, uh, their I guess their video presence because they had a lot of people out writing, but they didn't really have anybody doing kind of any multimedia. So that was kind of how I first started. And then um, I don't know if you knew John Gallardo, he was the yeah, sports I didn't know, yeah, for yeah. the first couple of years. And then I assumed that role um, my junior year, my last year at school, which is technically senior year, if you want to go by credit uh, and did that. So that kind of entailed um, looking for cool stories. And I mean, there were a lot of cool stories to write about that year too, because that was the year that Grace Norman had won yeah. her Paralympic gold medals. That was the year that Carson Koch had uh, gone to at least the Olympic trials. Uh, I did some stories uh, talking to uh, Greg Wallace and Roshane O'Brien about their experience playing basketball in Michigan or er, Michigan, Jamaica, and then coming to the States. And I actually talked to uh, Mike Minto, who was the first, I guess, a Jamaican born athlete. And we there had, a, I guess, a pipeline kind of developed because there was a lot of kids from Jamaica that came to play basketball at Cedarville. And I just did a little dive into like how that kind of all got started. So there were a lot of cool stories I got to write, um, a lot of cool videos that I got to do. Um, so that was one thing that I got involved in. And then I guess the another one that I did, uh, Speaking of like playing sports and stuff, like another one that I played, obviously not through school or anything, was Ultimate Frisbee. Uh, that yeah. was a really popular game among our youth group. They had a club team at Cedarville, and I played with them for uh, the first year. Uh, we would go and play in tournaments against, I guess, like uh, some other some tournaments that include some D two schools, some D one, some NAIA's, um, th- and then after that like that after that first year i just couldn't didn't feel like i had the time to do it anymore plus i didn't play a whole lot anyway so it wasn't like i was gonna miss it too much so yeah um, i dropped out of that after the first year because i ended up picking up a full court press duty which was another big thing that i got involved in at school uh with ben and jamie you guys uh if you watched our unc duke preview you know jamie Uh, all three of us were doing the show together. We all had an interest, uh, Jamie being a broadcast major at the time, um, Ben wanting to uh, start a sports podcast at Resound. I don't know if you were at Resound, like doing other things first. I was, well, I can give you a little insight. So my roommate at the time as a freshman, his brother was like the, the, one of the the student directors and he found out that I love sports and I had this deep radio voice and he just kept nagging me and nagging me. And finally I was just like, all right, like whatever, let's do a sport thing. Like whatever, you know, type thing. Cause I was just like, I didn't really want to do it. But then obviously I heard about Jamie and I knew Jamie already. So it was like one of those easy, like switches in, you know, easy to, you know, do. And then I've met you obviously. So that's kind of how I had the end. Yeah. I can't remember who put us in contact, but I don't think it was you that initially reached out. But no, it was Amy Radowatsky. Amy Radowatsky. Yeah. yeah. Like okay. Yeah. Yeah. We had some classes together, uh, both being in, in the journalism program too. And she might've been the one that put us in touch. And then we just started uh, talking about uh, ideas for what we wanted the show to be. And eventually uh, did that for, I guess, a year and a half at school. So yeah. that was, I guess, the main things uh, that I got involved in out. And then I guess uh, discipleship groups, the D groups, I, did, I was in one of those. I think each year too, but, uh, obviously, uh, fun time.
time at Cedarville, a lot of uh, a lot of things people can get involved in, and I had a blast doing all those things. So what would you say from the full court press? Obviously, I'm a little biased, so I kind of want to hear this, right? Um, you know, obviously, we started off, and it was like, you know, rough at the beginning, right? We're all trying to figure out how to do this. But what would you say over the year and a half, two years that we were doing it together, what would you say from that did you learn the most, kind of like from either from somebody on the show or just from general the experience? <laughs> Uh, just, uh, and I mean, it was, this was good for me too. At the time I had a TV class and was just learning how to like talk normal, like nothing scripted, nothing like, I guess, dull. Um, but which, just, everyone, which everyone hated that I didn't script any of my stuff on the show that you guys were all judging me for a while, but I was like, yeah, I well, everybody, everybody feels pressure to like, just, I guess, talk perfect. Like they, whenever you're talking with friends, you don't really think too much about how, maybe you're sounding or coming off. And then when you feel like you have a, a much larger audience or maybe you're on, you know, the, the screen or on the radio or whatever, you feel more pressure, I guess, to be perfect. And I mean, I, I wasn't the best at it, Ben. That was kind of part of the reason why I thought maybe I would enjoy the writing route a little bit more after going through those things. Like, and maybe I would, I would like to get on TV eventually, but I really enjoyed writing for one thing. And then I found out that TV is a lot harder to, uh, than it looks. So, uh, I learned through that, through those TV classes. And then, uh, I guess from the audio side of things, like just learning how to like have conversations with people, because I mean, that's, those are the best interviews. Like when you watch, uh, podcasts like Joe Rogan's or you watch, uh, um, I guess, some of the bigger sports media people like uh uh i can't think of an example right now of anything that i've seen recently but all the best uh, conversations oh busting with the boys that's yeah. one that i listen to all the time on barstool uh but the best the best uh interviews are the ones that are just like conversations like mm -hmm. there's nothing really forced they go with the flow maybe they have like a rough draft of topics that they'd like to discuss but they don't feel pressure to stick to script like I would say in the first couple of interviews that I did with the full court press, I would have like 10, excuse me, 10 questions. And I would want to stick to those. And maybe I wasn't necessarily listening to what they told me back to see if maybe there was a good follow-up question that I could get back or maybe dive deeper into uh, one of their answers because I was so focused on uh, the script and it maybe prevented me from having better interviews than what I could. So I would say, and that's the thing that's maybe translated the most to, I guess, my writing job now is just like having conversations with all the people I talk to for stories and not necessarily um, worrying about, I guess, uh, the draft that I have with how I think the conversation is going to yeah. go, be open and listening to the other person uh, speak back to me. And um, I'd, I'd say that's definitely been the biggest uh, thing that I've taken away from the full court press experience. Yeah. And the full court press was just an amazing experience for all of, I mean, we got to hold gold medals. Like not many people could say that. I mean, I feel like I'm a gold medalist now. I, I really do. I, I'm not, but I feel like I am. Um, but what would you say, obviously, as, as we finish up the Cedarville side of things, what would, I, I want to ask you two questions. One, what would you say is a lesson you learned from your, your three years at Cedarville? Right. And then the second one is, what would you say to someone that is, struggling maybe at Cedarville at this point and maybe something that you can encourage them with um to the end to get to the end right to get to the final the final stretch um and encourage them with something that is a current student at Cedarville so first what are some lessons you learned second is how can you encourage someone that might be at Cedarville that might not see the end of the road right away but you know it's there 
probably one of the biggest lessons I learned was um, going through uh, the book Gospel with my D group senior year. Uh, the main takeaway from that book is just, I guess, uh, how important the gospel is daily. Like it's, I used to kind of wonder why I guess some pastors would bring up the gospel message so often, like Jesus dying on the cross or like Jesus, um, love, loving us and wanting to be with us. But sin, man, sin was kind of preventing that, uh, I guess, eternal, um, relationship from happening, but he loved us enough to die on the cross. And I guess that really fits well with uh, Easter today, since that's what that's all about. <laughs> um, so that we could, uh, that relationship, um, was able to be mended and possible. Now, all we have to do is accept that free gift of salvation and how, how important that is. Um, it made me realize that more and also just uh, being, I guess, more graceful, uh, not graceful, like in the sense of like dancing, but just showing more yeah, grace to people um, that we may not think necessarily deserve it. But when you really sit back and realize everything that uh, God's forgiven you for, I mean, it, it doesn't take much to just, you know, maybe overlook some small yeah. things or be more forgiving with other people. Like that. Those are some of the main takeaways lessons wise. And then as far as uh, encouragement for everybody else, mm -hmm. um, hopefully your grades are high enough at this point that a C on your final exams isn't going <laughs> to affect you too much. That was kind of the boat that I was in. Um, also make sure you set an alarm freshman year, Ben, I nearly overslept an exam that you have the two hour window to take these exams. Um, this one in particular started at 10 and ended at 12 and I got in there at 1130 <laughs> and I just, as fast as I could, this was freshman year journalism too. So it was like, I really need to pass this class. <laughs> like this is going to, I mean, this is my major, the only major class I was taking. So I get in there and I read fast and I'm like writing everything down and I didn't do the best on that exam as I would have liked, but I did enough to keep my A and move on in the program. So I guess, uh, hopefully your grades are high enough, but even still, like think about all the hardest times you've got, you've had in your life. And you thought, man, nothing could possibly be worse than this. Or how am I going to get through this? And you got through all of them. And final exams is just another one of those things. Like college students are robots, Ben, like we are the or least we amount you ever have working the hardest you ever have, um, hanging out the most you ever have, maybe even eating the least or maybe the most you ever have. In my case, it was like the least it seemed like same. And, and it's just like, you shouldn't be able to function in this environment, but you do because you're built for it, I guess. So that's my encouragement is hopefully your grades are high enough. And if not, um, there's going to be harder things through life. And yes, this isn't as hard as what you think it is. Yeah. And, and also just like spend time as much time with your friends as you can. Like I realized like I, the relationships that I made at Cedarville, I bet you can attest to this last for a lifetime. And when they say that at Cedarville, you're like, oh no, that's not true. But they do like some of my best friends to this day yeah. are dudes that I met freshman year in my dorm. One of them was stuck in my ceiling my freshman year right and now we're like really good friends a lot of my good friends too i've been i've known for i guess it's been eight years since uh i initially enrolled at cedarville and i still um a lot of the the guys that i stay in touch with like not many of them from high school anymore but college for sure and i kind of took that approach too is like okay i mean i i'm getting good enough grades i'm not like on any kind of scholarship pressure to get straight a's like as long as i was maintaining like a 3.0 i was going to keep all my scholarships and i could do that relatively uh effortlessly like i don't want to say that i didn't study i just 
I didn't, I also didn't do as good as I could have in school either, but I did good enough to keep my scholarship. So I was cool with that. So anytime that I got an opportunity to hang out, um, I would try to take advantage of that just because, I mean, four years goes by fast. And in my case, it was only three. So yeah, it, it, it does go by fast. And, and I miss it a ton. Like my brother's graduating this year, which is weird because my senior year, I actually did my full court press. The last full court press I ever did, my last episode was with my brother as one of the co-hosts. And now he's graduating college, which is super weird. It's been three years since I did full court press, but I'm glad I'm doing the baseline. It's kind of like a new, we kind of like new, we made it newer, I guess. And we could actually talk about things that we kind of want to talk about. Um, but with all that being said, zero size, Cedarville things aside, there we go. I can talk now. Um, what are some of the things you're doing now? What, how have you seen God work? What is, what are you doing nowadays? Um, yeah. And kind of all that, like, what, what are you doing right now and, and how you see God working? Yeah, I, I probably the biggest way that I see God work is just that he's always got a plan of some sorts and there's things in the background that you may not necessarily see that he's doing. Um, for example, after I graduated college, or at least when I went into college, the plan that I had thought out for myself was, okay, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to make some good friends. I'm going to meet my wife here. We're going to get married. We're going to get a job out of college. Because obviously um, it's Cedarville. Yeah, right. Um, get a house and uh, start, I guess, a family and career that way. And not only did I not find a wife at Cedarville, I also did not have a job coming out of college either. So it was back home at my parents' house for about a year as I continued to try to uh, find a job. Like I, It wasn't necessarily that there weren't any. It was just maybe they didn't pay enough. Maybe they needed a, or wanted more experience. Um, hate that. Or, or just something like that. So it wasn't that I couldn't find sports jobs. It was just like, there were some that, uh, either weren't going to work out for me or that, um, they, they wanted someone that I guess was better at the job. So for about a year I was looking around and I was stuck working at Dick's Sporting Goods too, just so I could like have some kind of income to pay off student loans that were rolling in. And I was just like, man, it was like the most frustrating thing being, um, I guess, away from home for like three years and then being back home. Like it was, I don't want to say it was miserable because I mean, you're like you're living at your parents' house rent free, but at the same time, it's like you you don't feel like you have the same amount of freedom as you did before. You yeah. don't just go out and do whatever you want. Like there are some, I guess, rules that you got to follow out of respect for uh, your parents. So that was uh, sometimes where I was just like, wonder what my life's going to look like now, because it's nowhere near what I thought it'd be right now. Am I even going to work in sports journalism? Am I going to even find a job in this? And then after about a year of that, I found what I would call now like the perfect first job for me. It was in a community about the size of uh, the city that I grew up in in Ohio. Um, very uh, friendly staff. Uh, when I interviewed uh, the county was the only thing I had to worry about so since they don't I'm the only sports writer on staff out here I get the title of editor and there's also three schools to worry about whereas the place that I interned at covered uh up to nearly I think it was almost 20 schools oh. but they had a staff of four sports writers too so they're able to do that but it's just kind of like man I don't have to worry about three out here staff is good they're experienced they're willing to teach me how to use Adobe InDesign which is like the industry standard for laying out pages yeah. like for the newspaper so i was going to be able to learn how to do that um and it just all worked out where and then also i guess uh 
it wasn't too far away from home. Like it's two and a half hours, which is like as far as uh, I was from Cedarville. So, I mean, anytime that uh, I need to be home for like a weekend for a holiday or something like that, like it's a totally doable drive. So it just, it was really the first perfect first job for me to uh, get going in. And all I needed to do was just wait for uh, the old sports editor to retire side of that position was open. And God knew that that was going to be a perfect first job for me. It was just that um, it was going to take a year for it to be able to be opened up. So, I mean, that's, I guess, the main thing that I've been learning being on my own is just like, you never know what God has uh, going on in the background, um, what opportunity is about to be opened up for you um, here or there. I don't know if you got any kind of thing like that, Ben. Did you anticipate you'd be living in Hungary at you any know, point? It is funny, right? Because I've been going to Hungary. You knew this. I've been going to Hungary for you know a decade or so, right? Going with my dad since I was 15, 16, helping dad with camp here. I always thought like, hey, I might want to live in Hungary, maybe like just for like six months at some point in my life. But then when I graduated college, I I was an education major. It was like a weird half year, you know, like when you graduate half year and it's like weird because then there's like no jobs really open. So I went to be like right. a, a full-time sub at a school, at a private school. And then I had already been that previous, before I technically graduated, um, I was already talking with Word of Life Hungry saying, hey, I really, I think I really want to do some ministry aspects or, or something. And that was right before COVID all hit. And then I obviously became a missionary. And so... Now, did I think I was going to get married and stay over here? I, you know, I, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. And for me, that wasn't it. Right. I, I just went to be a missionary and that, that was the, that was the goal. And, you know, then obviously meeting my wife and, and all that, it was amazing. Right. And it was like the coolest thing. So I, I know what you mean by that is like, you never know what is open. And like, I didn't think I'd be teaching over here. I knew I'd be a missionary, but I didn't think that was going to lead to me teaching at a school, you know, if anything, I was like, you know, and I really started falling in love with video stuff. And I, that's still my, ultimately my goal is to have my own media company slash business where I can go do things um, more frequently and, and have better hours and like spend more time with different things. Um, so yeah, I, I understand what you mean. It is like a weird, it's a weird feeling at times for sure. Um, but if that makes sense. And the other thing about it too, is like, I don't think I'd change it. Like, I mean, same, it, same. not that it's, uh, you know, we think that we know better than God and there's, I mean, how many times do we find out that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And now that I've, I guess, gone through this, I mean, I, I wouldn't have it any other way, I guess. Like yeah. I would much rather be in the situation I'm in right now than the one that I would have drawn up for myself when I was coming out of school. Yeah. And then now you're, now you're in Indiana, correct? You're, you're right. sports, yep. you're a sport writer in Indiana. So and obviously we, neither of us knew that we were going to be back on a, like a radio slash podcast together. No, no one, no one had that idea. I just came to you one day and I said, Hey, do you want to be, that's also a funny story. No one really knows this. I came to him one, one day and I was like, Hey, this was only going to be a one-time thing. Yeah. It was gonna be a one-time thing. I was like, Hey, would you want to be a guest host for the, for the week with me? I was just like, I want someone else. Cause I was really tired of just hearing myself talk about sports over and over again. And then afterwards I was like, Hey, you want to do this? Like you know, like for real, like legit, like let's just keep going. And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. And, and we both love talking about sports. And that's the thing about sports is like, you know, you can have a conversation with anybody about it. Um, and I think too, it's like, I think I've seen how God has used you in the sense of like, you're taking sports right, but you're also trying to also stay active and, and what you're and what God is doing in your life. And, and obviously there's other areas. Is there any other areas that 
you're on the journey now starting, or is there any other areas you, you would like to be doing? Is there anything like that that you see coming in the future? Um, I don't really know yet. Like, uh, bodybuilding, that's one. Oh, that's what you mean. I thought you were talking like, well, I mean, uh, yes, I mean, yes. And also, and also like when it comes to sports stuff and media and stuff. Yeah. Work. I mean, I don't really know, uh, where God's going to take me. Obviously I, I usually tell people, I feel like I'll, I've made it once I become like a beat writer for like one team where I'm covering them full time. And like, if I'm covering like, uh, this is Cincinnati Reds, Cleveland Browns football full time or something like that for like the plain dealer, Akron Beacon journal or something like that. Like I'm the guy, like that kind of a situation I would say I've yeah. made it. Or if I like got my own kind of show someday, something like that. I guess I, that those are situations where I'd say I've made it. And I guess I'm going to continue to work towards those. Yeah. As far as I can, I guess, until like either the, the media bigwigs say, no, you're not good enough for that. Or God says, no, you're going to stay right here. So hey, you never know when the baseline, we're going to be on ESPN before you know it. And we're going to be just, yeah. we, maybe European, maybe European TV. School buys us and Dave Portnoy sends us a contract. And, hey, I'll take Daily Wire. I mean, if Daily Wire wants us, you hear us, Daily Wire. I'm all, I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm all for have it. Seen, have you seen uh, the, the one they got right now, Crane and Company? Absolutely. It's good. Yeah. I try it's to tune in uh, every day when I can. They kind of do it at like a odd time for me. I think like three o'clock Eastern time, but uh most of the time I'm not around or I'm that's when I'm at the gym. So yeah, sometimes I remember like, Oh, crane and company's on. So I turned on and I listened to that for like, uh, when I'm doing my cardio or something like that. But, um, outside of work. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of another journey that I am on right now is, uh, prepping up for uh first bodybuilding competition, uh, through the NPC and men's physique, uh, coming up in June. So actually yesterday, Ben marked seven weeks out. So Ooh. we're getting closer. We're over the halfway point. There you go. And it and I know it's exciting. I know if you tune in on our baseline podcast, you'll hear his updates every so often. He gives us updates on how that's going. And so Josh, I, I want to finish up by asking one thing is or kind of a two part thing. But first thing is, what is what is something that you um, right now uh, that God is really teaching you at this moment, right? Like I know you've talked about things over life and things that see what right now, what is something that God is really teaching you? And then to follow that up, how, how do you feel like, um, in, in this, as, as young Christian men, right? Like what, what are, what can we be doing better? Do you feel like in, in this world, maybe in our jobs, in our life or, or things like that? So biggest lesson I'm learning right now, I guess, is, uh, um, how to be more loving. Mm. That's something that, uh, I mean, you always hear, uh, that you're supposed to speak the truth in love. And I don't think a lot of people have a problem necessarily speaking the truth. It's just, it's sometimes it's not always uh, in the best possible way that we can say it. And I've been thrown in, I guess, a handful of uh, situations the last few years where I've, um, I maybe haven't been the most loving or I need to, uh, or I've really been challenged, I guess, to have mm. to be more loving. Uh, and God's really uh, working on my heart that way. Uh, we actually went through a, a whole 
a series at church over first Corinthians 13 and just the, the love chapter. And at first I kind of went into it like, uh, okay, this is something that I've heard uh, talked about in church several times. It's a passage I've read before, you know, this will be a kind of like some smooth sailing, but it just, it, I don't know, it hit me a little bit harder. Uh, Cause I guess that just when you're going through different walks, of life sometimes a passage means a little bit more than maybe it did in the past or maybe uh a few years is spent since you've read a passage and now you have a little bit more life experience or you're a little bit more mature so you kind of understand some things or some other things stand out that maybe didn't before and so that's kind of the journey i'm on right now is uh i don't have a problem with uh speaking uh truth and uh standing up for um truth but um, I can definitely do it in a, a more loving way. So that, that's, uh, I guess, some things that God's teaching me right now is just uh, being able to speak the truth, but in love. Um, what can Christian men do better right now? Um, I especially, would say, especially young Christian men, some like that's our age that are going through life, going through yeah. maybe their first couple jobs and, and trying to figure out uh, what we do do, but also standing up for what we believe. Yeah, so uh, I'm sure you've had a handful of friends fall victim to uh the false teaching that is progressive christianity right like how many times do we see uh um people that we know that we grew up in church with or uh went to a camp with or something like that that uh you know we we knew them when they like i don't want to say had their head on straight but um they just they knew what the bible taught right like they were they were on that path and then for whatever reason um they decided that um they're deconstructing their faith is what they call it now or yeah. i think the, re- the retin li- the retin link example yeah more yeah. often than not i feel like that is just uh like they're saying they're taking out the things that aren't biblical and really what what mo- that's just a nice way since we're being real here is that's just a nice way of them I'm saying I know better than God and I'm going to make uh, the Bible fit around my worldview instead of making their worldview all about the Bible. Right. And so yeah. we see a lot of Christians um, fall victim to um, certain social justice campaigns or like uh, just incredibly leftist ideology that just would have that Jesus would have no part of or that taught against even. And um, I would just say that um as Christian young men being into the Bible and knowing what the Bible says, because there are a ton of false teachers out there right now. There's a lot of churches that want to uh, run more like a business and get a bigger audience. And they don't want to, um, I guess, deal with any pushback or people um, leaving the church because I mean, how many times, uh, how do I say this? How many times do, uh, people maybe go to church just because they want to feel good about themselves. Like they're good people and um, they're not really getting any kind of uh, like challenge at all from it. I mean, the Christian life is a challenge. Like it's, it's not supposed to be easy. Like we're supposed to be hated. Like Jesus said, um, you know, just like they hated me, they'll hate you. And so since there's a lot of, uh, I guess, and this is, I guess, where you can go too far in the direction of like trying to be loving, right? Like we think we turn love into being nice. And eventually we try to be nice to people by uh, not telling them the truth because we are concerned about how they might take the truth, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't necessarily tell them, I guess, uh, what's really 
what's real, what's true, because we don't want them to either have a negative reaction, reject us and uh, end our friendship or that's, I guess that's kind of like the end thought. Hopefully that made all sense. I kind of yeah. moved around a lot. I was trying to figure out how to word this all, but I'm just not falling victim, like being planted into the Bible so that you can recognize false teaching and, um, just I guess that kind of goes along with my speak the truth and love kind of thing is like we're gonna be hated as Christians but it's important to be able to uh, know the truth and stand up for that truth because we're seeing a lot of uh, I guess sin get accepted more and more in the church yeah and I would 100% agree with you with that and I, I think yeah you, you said it perfectly and I think that's where a lot of us you know we do struggle with and and you know and you know, just because the world is telling us to shut up doesn't mean we have to. Um, right. And I think that's standing up for what we believe is, is really, really true. And so, Josh, I want to thank you for for jumping on here uh, today with me for Real Talk with Ben. It's been awesome to get to know you even more. Obviously, I know you, but to have everyone else get to know your, your story and your testimony and see how God is using you, it's truly, truly amazing. So thank you, Josh, for tuning in and coming on and then in a little bit also doing the other podcast. So thank you for, for both ahead uh, beforehand. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. This was, yeah. a, this was good. I've got to do it. Yeah. So it's good. If, if you like this, if you do, if you also think it's good, if you also loved it, then leave a thumbs up, uh, subscribe and, uh, hit that notification button, uh, below. So on YouTube, you can catch the baseline and you can catch real talk with Ben as well as any of the other videos that'll be coming out. Um, I'm also starting a gaming twitch replay type thing on youtube it's going to be a whole process anyways that's going to be coming on as well on the youtube but if you also like this on uh apple podcasts and on spotify and all the other places google play and all that um, make sure you go ahead and leave it uh leave a favorite like it share it we love to hear it uh i know if you hear somebody that needs to hear some of those words from josh be awesome for them to hear this as well so once again i want to thank josh and once again i hope that you guys have an amazing week uh and may god truly bless you until next time we'll see you